0: On a Western Day and a Surge. always like this song Brandy by Looking Glass. Ah, good morning. Welcome to 1410 WIGM and the Plant Doctor Show. Well, Mother Nature did a pretty good job at reminding us uh, that she's not quite done with winter yet. You know, it happens just about every year, and I don't know why everybody acts surprised when it does happen. You know, we get a bit of a midwinter melt, and, you know, then we start to see some of the lawns and landscapes appear, and all of a sudden they get covered back up again with a blanket of white. Ugh! it just makes you long for spring that much more, especially when that idiot groundhog says uh we've got six more weeks of winter coming. Okay. Uh I think somebody needs to make groundhog stew. But uh you no, know, even though we have a still a pretty long way, well actually it's not that long. We're let's see here Let me look it up really quick. I think I have it right here. Uh, No, not up there. Let's see. I'm pretty sure I have it on this one. Yep, there it is. Let's see. 22 days, 12 hours, 50 minutes, and 2 seconds until spring. Yeah, I've got a spring countdown on my computer. Uh, Just had to find it there. But, uh, yeah, we're down to under a month now. So, uh, you know, that's technically spring. Uh, I have seen it snow in what was technically summer, so I'm not going to get too excited about that yet. But, uh, yeah, uh, today, even though we've got quite a ways uh, off uh, to actual spring, there are a couple things that we can think about as far as gardening goes. Uh right now. And the first is dealing with one of the most popular vegetables uh, that the home gardener tries to grow. And uh, this one here is probably about the most popular vegetable in the United States, hands down. I mean, I cannot imagine a world without ketchup. Uh, I know a couple of people, uh, my granddaughter being one of them, who would just Throw their hands up and say the heck with it and want to die if we ever did away with ketchup. Uh, she puts ketchup on ketchup. It's an amazing thing. But uh, my teenage or my 21 uh, year old son is pretty much the same way. Not quite as bad, but uh, yeah, the tomato. Uh, if something were to happen to all the tomatoes in this area. Uh, or across the country, and we could no longer make ketchup, it could be a pretty devastating thing. I mean, think about it. Uh, And not just ketchup, but tomato sauce for uh, your spaghetti and your pizza and your raviolis, lasagna, baked ziti, no more. Uh, You couldn't have ketchup on your French fries. You wouldn't be able to uh, have your tea on your BLT and it's not that far of a um, idea. Uh, it's not really that much of an exaggeration to think how close we are to having that happen. Uh, the only difference right now, and I hate to say it, but, well, no, I don't hate to say it. Actually, I love to say this. Uh, the only reason why we're not losing all uh, tomatoes is uh, because of GMOs. Uh, Everybody loves to fear GMOs, uh, the evil GMOs, this and that and the other thing. Uh, Well, I'm sorry, but without genetic engineering, we would not have tomatoes anymore because the same disease that's hitting tomatoes at this point is the same disease that hit potatoes back in the 1850s and caused the Irish potato famine. And that disease is called phytophthora. Uh, it can infect and it destroy the leaves, stems, tubers of uh, both tomato and tomato plants. Uh, most people don't realize it, but t- potatoes and tomatoes are extremely closely uh, related to each other. Uh, and believe it or not, too, they're both members of the nightshade family. Uh, now, there's other plants that can be affected by, uh, Phytophthora as well, but, uh, tomatoes and potatoes take the brunt of it. Uh, squash, pumpkins, melons, cucumbers, large number of peppers, uh, even, uh, beans can be affected. But the damage is not as bad to the plant, uh, as it is to the members of the nightshade family. And, uh, To understand how this disease occurs will help you guard against it and, uh, you know, possibly fight against it. I figured that would be a really good subject to talk about today because, you know, now is the time that that you're starting to see the seeds out there on the uh, shelves in uh, uh, Menards and Home Depot and, you know, uh, hardware stores around the area. Uh, now is the time that everybody's going and starting to thumb through their uh, seed catalogs uh, and trying to get ready for next season. And I'm sorry if you order the same old seeds uh, that you've always gotten. And I this part I do hate to say, but the favorites: Beefsteak, Early Boy, Early Girl, Supersonics. Uh, they're all, the, even a lot of the cherries, uh, the sweet 100s, they're all affected by this disease. And just in case you didn't know what, you know, is going on with this d- disease, if you've been growing tomatoes out in the uh, garden, you've probably already seen it. And uh, where your tomato plants look beautiful in the spring, Going into a late spring, they look fantastic. When summertime comes, they start to look a little peaked. And just before they're going to start, you know, the fruit's going to start uh, turning red, the plants go to heck. And the leaves start uh, dropping off. They get yellow and spotty and motley looking. And the plants start to wilt. And it is because of this uh, disease. And most people uh, write it off as, oh, well, it must have been the heat or the humidity. Well, tomatoes, believe it or not, love heat and humidity. So it wasn't that. Uh, It must have been the dry conditions. Well, maybe it could have been the dry conditions, but as long as you're watering like you should be, it shouldn't have that big of an effect to it. Uh, It's phytophthora. And it's a soil-borne disease And it has spread across the country. You cannot get away from it right now. It is here, and it is here to stay. Uh, Those words bite, but it's truth. You cannot get away from it, and nor will we ever get away from it. Uh, What we can do is learn how to live with it, and uh, until they come up with a disease-resistant variety of tomato uh, or a disease-proof variety of tomato, uh, that's pretty much all we're going to be able to do. Now, there are some cultural things that we can keep in our toolbox for dealing with this and dealing with it pretty successfully. They're not guarantees we're not going to get it, though. But I figured we'd talk about that today. But as always, if you've got a question about anything that's green or growing, it does not have to be about the topic of the day, which is phytophthora and tomatoes. It can be about, uh, you know, just about anything going on out there. Uh, maybe you got a question about a house plant or trees and shrubs. Uh, maybe your lawn got really badly damaged last year, and you're wondering when and how's the best way to uh, repair it. Give us a call. The number down here at WISM is 608-785-7914. And that is the talk and text line, so you can go ahead and shoot me a text on that as well. We're going to go ahead and take a short break and take care of a little bit of business, but we'll be right back here at 1410 WIZM and the Plant Doctor Show in just a minute. And we are back today, and uh, our topic this week is talking about... Uh, a disease that basically was the cause of the death of millions of people. And it uh, created a mass exodus from one country to another. And uh, that is the Irish potato famine. And the disease that called it Phytophethora. And uh, it's in this country now, too. And where we have come up with disease-resistant potatoes against this uh, disease, Uh, tomatoes, which are a very, very close relative, are also affected and uh, can stand the chance of being taken out. So I figure we talk about that a little bit today. Uh, But if you've got a question about anything else that's green or growing, go ahead and give me a call, shoot me a text. Number down here at wisdom is 6087857914. Now, uh, the seed companies have been trying to come up with resistant varieties uh, to this disease, and they have, but the darnest thing is, is this disease keeps on morphing away so these dis- disease-resistant varieties are no longer disease resistant. And they haven't been able to pin it down yet. Uh, uh, It's getting aggravating because they've been going crazy about this for close to 10 years now. Uh, It hasn't been countrywide for that period of time, but it has, you know, it's been spreading. And now it is from coast to coast. And Canada down to, uh, Medico, so there's no getting away from it. Now, this disease is also known as the rain disease. Uh, and it seems that the plant, a lot of plants would, uh, get this disease, even if they were in pots, after a rain. And for the longest time, they thought the disease was being uh, vectored in by the rain itself, and that's not the case. The rain, uh, in effect, does vector it in, though, but it's not falling down out of the sky. It's coming up from the ground. And when the rain splashes on the ground, if it can reach the plant, the splash can reach the plant, that is how the disease was getting onto the plant. And that's also gives you an idea how easily passed on this uh, problem is. Uh, all it takes is a, a raindrop splashing on the ground and up onto a leaf of the plant, and uh, now you've got it. So what do you do? You've got a plant that's, or a disease that's soil-borne, and you can't have the, up, uh, you know, Tomatoes growing anywhere near the ground. Well, you grow them in pots with uh, sterilized potting soil and keep them away from the ground. Now, does this mean that you're not going to get the disease? No, it's not a guarantee because insects and birds and, you know, not so much the wind, but, uh, yeah, the... It can still vector the uh, disease into the plant, but it gives your plant much better chance at surviving. It's not a uh, guaranteed death sentence anymore if you grow them in pots. Now, if you do this, uh, keep your pots away from the edge of the grass. Uh, If you have them in a patio, great. Even better, have them on a patio up on a table. That would be best. Uh window boxes are wonderful. Uh, they're a long ways away from the ground for the most part. And, uh, you yeah. know, as long as you can uh, stick a um, some sort of a trellis there for the uh, tomatoes to climb on, you're good to go.
1: Ew.
0: Same thing goes for pots. Now, if you keep your plants growing up, uh, and you're using something like a uh, whiskey barrel or something like that to grow your tomatoes in. Uh, as long as they're not reaching over the side of the barrel, you're okay. Yeah, uh, you, know, you keep them growing up onto a trellis or some type of lattice work or what have you, and that will keep the uh, disease hopefully from being, uh, you know, transferred to the uh, plant. Okay, it looks like we have a phone call coming in, so we're going to go ahead and shoot over to the phone lines. But we have two open ones, too. Uh, 608-785-7914 is our number, and that's a talk and text line. So uh, it, give me a call or shoot me a text. Again, that number is 608-785-7914. Good morning. You're on the play, Dr. <coughs> Who's this?
1: Uh, this is Jim Dandy, Mike, and I still say you and Dan are the best five hours on radio. Ah,
0: thank you very much, Jim. Greatly appreciate that.
1: <laughs> Not a problem, sir. I'm glad you're back and doing good. Um, I got a question. You know, you're saying potting the tomatoes and in that mm-hmm. instead of doing them in the ground because of the, the diseases and stuff. I've been doing that, but. I'm I'm not sure how long can you keep that soil without changing an Order. what do you have to do because last year uh two of my pots did really good and two didn't do good at all and they were basically in the same area the same heights um and I I'm blaming it onto the soil so I must have been doing wrong uh, what do you do there for nourishment and stuff
0: okay more or like or more than likely what I uh, got the uh, two plants uh that infected it were, were insects uh, because all they have to do is land on the wet, gr- uh, ground and they'll bring it right up to the plant. So, uh, that's, if it only hit two of your, uh, plants and the others were okay, that's probably what, uh, happened there. Now, as far as the soil going every year, if you have the safe side, what I would do is replace it every year. Uh, you can use it for other plants. I'm not saying that, you know, totally get rid of it, but as far as the tomatoes are concerned, you're going to have to uh, keep replacing it.
1: What soil do I use? Any good, uh,
0: you know, commercial potting soil would be fine. As long as, you know, you don't want to get Bob's potting soil that comes in a paper bag. uh, And uh, there's some companies in this area that do uh, produce it. Uh, There's selling like uh, locally composted uh, soil, and that's great. I mean, that stuff is fantastic for uh, annual gardens and such. It's just that uh, the disease will be present in that soil for tomatoes. Uh, oh. So you're going to want to use a commercial sterilized potting soil. Uh any one schultz uh miracle grow uh peters are, are all very good brands uh you can get it and uh, you know just use that uh, i would definitely prefer using that over uh sterilizing your own soil uh because you never know if you're going to get all the uh, disease when you're doing the stero- sterilization pro- process
1: so okay now, if I mulch that every year and mix mulch in, would that help the nourishment and give me all the minerals I need for tomatoes and cucumbers?
0: You lost me on that one.
1: Uh, okay. Go ahead. If I, yeah, my phone sucks. If I mulched it, I put mulch on and mixed in uh, grass and all that every year and, and and lime and stuff. Would that give me the proper, you know, in, ingredients and nourishments that I need for the plants? Uh,
0: For the rest of your plants, yes. uh, Using uh, mulches uh, and compost is great, but you can't can't use that for tomatoes. Oh. Because the disease is going to be transferred right over to that. Okay. All
1: right. Well, that Uh, makes a lot of sense. That's why you're the man. Yeah.
0: uh, It's bad news, uh, no doubt, and it's going to be a bit of work, but it's something that we can live with. And now I'm, of course, I'm talking about uh, for the conditions that most people, you know, the common uh, homeowner have. If you happen to have a greenhouse that's, you know, for the most part insect-free, the plants are up on a table and uh, never coming in contact with the ground, and you're growing the, uh, you know, tomatoes in there, then you could probably get away with keeping the soil year after year, because you know there's no. Very little chance of uh, the disease, you know, transferring over to that soil. But, yeah, if you're growing them outdoors, I would replace it every season. Okay?
1: All right. All right. Thank you very kindly. Sure, you have a super weekend and a great life. Thank you. you.
0: Thank you much. You take care now.
1: Yeah, bye now. Bye-bye.
0: And that's going to take us to our news break. Uh, perfect timing on that. We'll be right back here at 1410 WIZ on The Plant Doctor Show in just a couple of minutes. Give us a call. Shoot me a text. Number is 608-785-7914. Uh, today we are talking about a disease uh, that is in the area, and it's causing all sorts of heck and discontent. Uh, it is making growing one of America's Favorite vegetables are near impossible in the ground. Uh, well, you can still grow it, you're just not going to have any success to getting any fruit. Uh, and that is called Phytophthora, and the, uh, the vegetable is the tomato plant. And well, potatoes you can grow, but that's because they've come out with uh, disease resistant potatoes, but they've had issues doing such with getting to uh, disease resistant
1: tomatoes.
0: Uh, which is a very, very close uh, relative uh, to the potato. And I mentioned this before, uh, they are both, both plants are in the nightshade family. And, yeah, that's the same thing as deadly nightshade, which grows as a weed in the area. Uh, And a lot of people don't realize this, that all parts of both the potato and the tomato plant are deadly poisonous, except... For the parts we eat. Now, uh, in fact, tomatoes used to be outlawed in this country uh, for that reason. Uh, they thought the uh, things were uh, poisonous. In fact, uh, they back in the 1700s, uh, they called the tomatoes uh, the devil's fruit because it killed people. And they just... Realize didn't realize that hey you're not supposed to eat the leaves along with the fruit uh that's where all the damage was coming from the tomato uh, fruit itself is fine just stop at the stem don't eat that and uh, nor any other part of the plant but uh yeah we started uh growing plants and we figured out that if you grow them in pots in sterilized potting soil up away from the ground, uh it's a lot harder for the uh plants to get the get the uh you know the disease because it uh, travels through the soil mostly. It can splash up onto the plant simply from rain or even insects carrying it in, though unfortunately, and that's what makes it such a hard disease to control. Now in the ground, if you're trying to grow your tomatoes, and I know there's going to be one or two people out there, so they're going to say, well, I've been growing tomatoes in the ground and I haven't had any issues at all. Well, I'll tell you what, you're lucky. Uh, because it's out there, and I'm really surprised, you know, maybe you've got... Uh, maybe the five yards in uh all of the United States that don't have this disease running rampant through it, but it's coming uh so uh yeah consider yourself lucky at this point, and I wouldn't be that argumentative, and I'd listen well because you're not going to keep growing the uh plants now, you might have some luck growing some of the disease resistant varieties. Uh because the disease itself, even though it morphs and uh it can take out the uh the newer varieties of tomatoes that are being created, doesn't necessarily mean that the disease in your yard has morphed yet. It will eventually. But you know, it might be behind the uh, times a little bit. So uh Some of these newer varieties can get you by. Now, is there a replacement for beefsteak? Not that I've found. Uh, There are earlier uh, tomatoes out there on the market. There's fast tomatoes on the market. Uh, There are many different types of cherry tomatoes on the market. But there's very, very few varieties of tomatoes that give you these gargantuan tomatoes like the uh, beefsteak tomatoes do. Uh, those are the ones that my father used to love growing. Uh, you know, one slice covers a sandwich, and you're good to go. Actually, one slice is enough to cover two sandwiches in some cases, uh, with some of the ones he grew. And uh, those unfor- are the ones that are going to be affected mostly. Now, you can grow them, like I said, in a pot above the ground and be pretty successful doing it. Uh, you may be giving up a little bit on the size of the tomato if you're growing it in a pot as opposed to the ground. But at least you're still going to get, you know, some bigger potatoes or tomatoes as a deal. Now, when you're talking about starting your uh, garden off, and, uh, you know, a lot of people start off with uh, pre-growing plants. And you go to a lot of nurseries and uh, Menards, Home Depot, Walmart. Uh, any of these stores have lots of, uh, you know, things for sale out there. and lots of plants for sale in the springtime. And they sell vegetable plants as well, uh, usually in cell packs or uh, small four-inch pots. There's nothing wrong with this. Uh, for any other plant, it's great. Before this disease hit, even buying the plants this way, you know, uh, with tomatoes was great. Uh, you do tend to get a surprise every now and then, uh, and you have to be wary that somebody hasn't switched the tag. Uh, this can become very, a very big issue when dealing with... Uh, Peppers uh, because they can switch a sweet pepper tag to a hot pepper plant, and then you'd be in for a pretty rude awakening. Well, you know, you bite into it thinking you've got you know, like some sweet type of a uh, bell-like pepper, and you're biting in, getting some nice and toasty. So uh, you need to be careful in that respect. But the best way to guard against this disease is to. Water in seeds. Uh, And that's because you don't have control about where these uh, farms are getting their soil from to grow their uh, seedlings. You're not going to see the disease in seed stock or in, uh, you know, uh, freshly seeded plants. It does not make itself apparent until the plants are nearing maturity. So you're not going to see a thing. At that point, while you're at the store, uh, if you are seeing weakened plants for whatever reason, it's probably just shock due to uh, moving and trans- You know, transporting the plants and uh, cold and hot, and not getting watered enough. You know, all the adverse conditions that you know most of these plants find at uh, most of these uh, places that are selling them. But it's not going to necessarily be from the disease itself. Uh, it very well can be, though, and that's why I say start yourself with seeds. It is not a hard venture. It's actually kind of fun. Uh, the only thing that you will definitely need to have is either A, a grow light, or B, a sunny window. And as long as you have that and some good uh, potting soil and some uh, seeds, You can grow tomatoes yourself. You can grow them inside your house in a good sunny window, and uh, you can, for the most part, keep your plants insulated away from the outside world and uh, not worry about this uh, disease at all. Uh, Granted, it's kind of hard to grow beefsteak or some of your your more viney-type tomatoes uh, in this fashion, but uh, there's many varieties that you can grow as a houseplant, as long as you've got a window large enough to support the plant. Now, if you are going to plan on growing them indoors as a houseplant, remember, and you've got to do this every day, uh, especially with tomatoes, give the plant like a ace of a turn every day. So that means once a week you're going to be starting the plant you know, fresh in the same spot, but you're going to be turning the plant slowly, about an eighth of the plant, and that way there, a new section of the plant will be getting sunlight throughout the uh, week. Uh, By doing it that slowly, and I'm not talking about rainy days either, because they're still getting light at that point from the outdoors. Uh, It might not be bright direct light, which is best, but, you know, it's still something. So, every day you're going to want to turn the plants, and uh, you start out with the seed. Uh, You can start out with seed or the peat pots. I know a lot of people like starting tomatoes and not peat pots, and they have a lot of success. Uh, That's my dad did it. Uh, Every year he would uh, order in the seeds, and then he would start them all in the peat pots. And what a peat pot is, Actually, there's a couple different types of them. Uh, there's one that's like this little pillow that's got this plastic hair netting, for loss of a better way to describe it, over the outside the pillow. You put this pillow in water, and uh, it begins as a little disc. And uh, once you put it into water, it will suck up the water, and the thing will swell up. And where it used to be about, oh, a little bit better than that, quarter maybe a half an inch thick it will swell up to where it's about a good three and a half to four inches tall and then you go ahead and take that and pop that itself inside of a peat pot which is a flower pot that's made out of purely compressed peat moss uh they're not hard to find Uh, They are hard to store, though, because as soon as these things get wet, they tend to fall apart. And that's a good reason, and that's the reason why we want to use them, too. Because, you know, you pop them in the ground, you want them to break down. Uh, Actually, when I do put them in the soil, be it in a pot or in the ground, uh, you know, whatever type of plant you're dealing with, I tend to break them up a little bit. I'll squish them between my fingers. And this will allow the roots to grow out easier. And without any obstruction, so that will help. But, uh, you're gonna wanna start, uh, your seeds. Take a look, because all seeds are different. And you're gonna have to be aware of, uh, time until, two things. There's time until germination and time until fruit first peck. Now, they are two totally different things, though. Germination means that's how long it takes for it to pop up out of the soil. How long that seed has to stay getting ready to pop until it does pop. And that's what you need to be aware. You're not going to be able to pop these plants into the ground until probably about uh, Mother's Day, maybe even the week after, you know, depending on uh, what Mother Nature uh, throws at us. I've seen some pretty deep snow on Mother's Day. Tomatoes don't like snow at all, so you're going to want to, you know, lean away from that. But as long as you can cover them up, generally Mother's Day is a rule, the weather's not going to get that much colder after that, so you're kind of safe for planting that. Uh, as long as you can cover them in case of, uh, you know, bad, uh, weather, colder temps coming in. Now, uh, Go ahead and look at the time to germination. Add that to your calendar. And, uh, or actually go to, uh, say, whenever Mother's Day is on the calendar and subtract that time of germination into, uh, the amount of days between now and, uh, that day. And then you go ahead and also subtract further. They will tell you how long a plant has to grow before until it bears edible fruit. Uh, or not edible fruit, but until it can be transplanted, which is usually about you know, three to six weeks. So you want to tack on three to six weeks onto that uh, date. As well, and that will give you the time to start your seeds, which is going to be pretty close to now. Uh, you know, give or take a week. Uh, the time is coming up quickly if it hasn't already gotten here yet. You can go ahead and start your uh, tomatoes. Now, you can keep them growing indoors as long as you want. Like I said, you can, if you've got enough sunlight or you've got a grow light, which does affect the flavor from what I'm told. Uh, it will, uh, take away a lot of the sweetness of it. But you can go ahead and, uh, move the plants outdoors and then you're good to go. And they will, you know, keep on growing and, uh, you know, hopefully start producing for you. Now you don't have to start the, uh, plants in the pots themselves that you're going to be moving outdoors. Let's face it. Yeah, For the longest time, they're just going to be sitting there as little tiny plants. So, uh, you know, that inside of a, a six-inch pot, it's not really going to look all that great. So start them off in the small peat pots or a four-inch pot and then transplant them in the line. Okay, we're going to take a break here and take care of a little bit of business, maybe a little bit of weather, but we'll be right back at 1410 WICMN Plant Doctor Show. In just a minute, go ahead and give me a call or shoot me a text. number down here at WISM is 608-785-7914. Uh, today, in between phone calls, we've been talking about planting tomatoes and still having success with them since there are there's this disease that's um, hindering all tomato growth across the United States right now and different things that we can do to, you know, uh, uh, give you the best shot at still growing tomatoes. Now, yeah, like I said before, uh growing tomatoes underneath a grow light, you are not going to get the same results as you would out in the sun. Uh Give them the sun, that's what they need, that's what they require. Grow lights are an artificial means of uh giving them that. And unfortunately, the flavor is going to be affected. You're not going to have a sweet of a fruit coming from a plant that's grown under grow lights as you will from a plant that's grown full, you know, out in this mother nature. So, but in this case, uh, you might need to grow it that way. And uh, there are a few things to uh, keep in mind. I've seen many people make the same mistake. Uh, They'll take uh, these grow light fixtures, uh, the screw-in type bulbs, pop them into overhead uh, ceiling fixtures, you know, the uh, recessed uh, things where you screw the bulb up into the ceiling, basically. And then they wonder how come their plants aren't doing good. They're getting really long and leggy. They never really bush out or grow into anything substantial. That's because they're reaching for the light. Uh, a grow light has little to no effect on the plant if it's feet away from it, uh, or in this case, sometimes even a couple of yards away from it. Uh, what you need is that light to be placed within an inch of the uh, surface of soil or the top of the plant. Uh, whichever is, you know, occurring. Uh, once, you know, when you're trying to get the plants to, uh, you know, break uh, free from uh, the seed and start growing right above the soil is fine. And the best way to do this is to have your grow lights hanging on a wooden A-frame. And uh, just use some cup hooks on the uh horizontal uh, beam that goes across the A-frame and uh, support your grow lights on light chains from that. And I know a lot of times people will use a uh, fluorescent fixture in this case. That's fine. That does It's great, as a matter of fact. And uh, you can go ahead and, you know, as the plants grow, you can shorten the chain. Keep lifting it up and lifting it up and lifting it up uh link by link by link until you no know, you're good to go. And uh that way there your plants will stand the best chance. Uh yet I wish I had better news for you people out there. Growing them outdoors uh it used to be something that thrilled my uh parents. I was never a tomato lover that much. Uh, I do like ketchup. I do like tomato sauce, kind of, uh, but tomatoes were never that big of a a thing to me. Uh, to the rest of my family, uh, to my parents, uh, yeah, they were. Uh, they loved them, and so do a lot of other people, and that's why this disease is going to be... It's such a pain in the neck to everybody. It's going to affect every household in the country, and especially, you know, people that are trying to grow them. And uh, the commercial farming of tomatoes will be affected uh, for a long period of time. We might only get a house, a hot hothouse tomatoes being sold in grocery stores. Yes, if you take the proper precautions, you can grow them in the soil outdoors. Uh, but that would mean digging out all the, uh, soil from an area, lining the box with, uh, or lining the area with a box made out of something that water will not penetrate. So that means it's gonna have to be deep in the, excuse me, uh, for, uh, the plants not to drown either. You're going to have to have one way drainage, uh, to where water cannot come up from the bottom, but it can leave the, uh, you know, the planter. And you're going to have to keep filling that, uh, thing up every year with new fresh soil. Uh, so that's a lot of work for the homeowner. <coughs> Granted, some, uh, farmers might be able to get away with doing it, but it's even a lot of work for a farmer, too. So, uh, that's pretty much a scoop on growing tomatoes. There are some other diseases that uh, do affect tomatoes. That growing them in pots uh, can be challenging, like uh, blossom and rot and uh, stuff like that. But uh, we'll talk about that when the time comes around, as that's a little bit more centered around that time period, as opposed to you know dealing with it now. Okay, that's gonna take care of the show for this week. We'll be back here next week at fourteen ten WYZMN and Remember anybody can have a green thumb. All you need is a can of paint.